What I see time and time again is that companies, they buy those shiny new tools and then they think, okay, brilliant, now we're going to solve all of our uh, challenges. But actually, that uh, marketing automation tool does not integrate with your CRM system. It does not integrate with your data analytics platform. And in that case, it just sits there. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customized, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. Is marketing automation just a way that you execute your marketing tasks? Or should it actually be part of your broader strategy? And if so, how? That's what we're discussing today with a marketing automation and lifecycle marketing expert who helps companies build unified, customized and personalized experiences across different channels and touch points. She's a former PwC marketing automation manager who flew all over the globe to train marketing teams on cutting edge marketing automation tools, helping companies to fully leverage their tech stack capabilities. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, the current senior lifecycle marketing specialist at Bolt, Dario Kravchenko. Hi, David. Thank you for introducing me. I'm excited to be here. Hi, Daria. And um, quick secret for the um, viewers. I did have to say your surname a few times before I almost got it right. Sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> it won't be. Um, all the uh, outtakes won't be available, I'm afraid. <laughs> you can find Daria <laughs> over at Bolt.eu. So, Daria, why should marketing automation be part of a wider marketing strategy? Sure. Well, it's 2023 and, you know, I'm not biased at all when I say that, but uh, I think it's impossible to imagine marketing strategy that does not incorporate marketing automation at this day and age. And I'll explain why, because marketing automation really has endless use cases. It helps to generate leads. It helps to retain and engage the existing customers. It helps you lower your churn rates. It helps to, to create truly personalized and targeted experience that consumers came to expect. And uh, especially in the current economic crisis where we're going through cost of living crisis, where people are very careful about their spendings. They're really careful with what they're subscribing for. And at the same time, the companies, the marketing departments are under pressure to demonstrate return investment and to do it quickly. Uh, so it's, it's, it's hard to imagine how day-to-day -day marketing automation tasks, uh, sorry, marketing tasks can be performed without uh, having that marketing automation strategy in place. Now you're also a life cycle marketing expert. What, what does that mean? That is pretty much the same thing. So when we think about the user journey, the customer journey, from the point where somebody just, you know, maybe they heard about your brand, maybe they visited your website, they're interacted with some content, Maybe they filled out a form on your website to download some of your thought leadership content. Then they start reading about your product or about your service. They get into the consideration stage. Then they move along the funnel. They become ready to purchase. They become a paid customer uh, who either returns or not and so on. So lifecycle marketing really is about working with customer along all those different stages and supporting them with the right messaging at the right time to make sure that um, the person uh, keeps engaging with your brand, keeps buying from you. You're also 
kind enough to share with me beforehand um, a few bullets of um, how marketing automation plays with um, other aspects um, of your marketing strategy in general, of your marketing in general, um, starting off with retaining customers. So, so how does marketing automation help with retaining customers? Well, I think marketing automation, it really comes to shine when it comes to uh, retaining customers because you want to, with, with customers that already trusted your brand enough, you want to make sure that they have great experiences that help you, for example, to use your product in the right way and to get the most out of your product or service. So marketing automation comes into play where, for example, you can tie it to a action of a particular consumer. So for example, uh, somebody have um, subscribed for your um, trial to try your, out your product uh, or they have uh, purchased your product for the first time. And through the use of marketing automation tools, uh, you can trigger a welcome campaign to them and you can educate them about the features of your product. You can tell them how to make the best out of it. And if, it, if it's useful content for them, then the chances are that they will use this product and then they will come back to it or they will become a paid customer. So it's about uh, giving useful content to the, your existing user base to make sure that you, you don't lose them, that it's not a one-off purchase. And we see examples with uh, brands doing it right, for example, when uh, you uh, become a Slack customer or you become a Trello customer, they send you really great educational emails telling you uh, how to make sure that you use it uh, to its full, full capability. I guess one of the challenges with marketing automation is to know when to do it and when it's most valuable to your business to do it and when to step in and have that um, real person relationship with a customer. So how do you draw the line to know that you're not automating too much and when is the right moment to step in and have that face-to-face conversation or at least telephone conversation? That's where, uh, if we talk about uh, really determining the right moment, for example, to have a conversation with somebody, uh, that's where things like lead scoring come into place. So a lot of marketing automation tools right now offer either out-of-the-box lead scoring functionality or they allow you to create your own um, customized lead scoring programs. But, and it's surprising that a lot of brands are still not using it, even though lead scoring should really be, you know, part of any marketing and sales effort. But I've seen it time and times again, where companies invest a lot of money to acquire new leads. Uh, for example, they put out the content out there and somebody interacts with it and provides their details. And then those people just sit there and they might never hear from the company again. Or, for example, the salespeople do not have the capacity to process all the, all the leads or they get in touch with the wrong people at the wrong time. So what you want to do is utilize different data points through the use of marketing automation tools to collect information about users' profile, about their behavior online, uh, their previous history, how they engaged with the previous marketing messages. For example, did they open your emails? Did they click through your push notifications? And what you want to do, you want to define some of these leads as hot, and you want to present them to the salespeople to say, hey, out of this list of hundreds leads, these 10 people are ready to speak to you. So you maximize the chances of success when salespeople actually reach out. And then you might have people that are not ready to talk to you yet, but you can enroll them into a nurture uh, email campaign. So you can send them content to get them more familiar with your brand and move them along the funnel so that they, when they're ready to speak to you, again, that signal is passed onto the sales team. 
And then, of course, late scoring also helps you to determine the people who uh, maybe got into your uh, database, but they're just not the right profile, they're just not the right fit, and you uh, are not going to engage with them, and you're not going to um, spend resource on, on trying to talk to them. And that's, again, a good indication. Uh, if you have a lot of those cold leads, it's, it might be an indication that maybe your acquisition efforts are not quite right, that maybe you're not reaching people on the right platform, uh, maybe your targeting needs to be adjusted, uh, so it can help you with those insights that power, power your um, accusation strategy as well. And when you talk about lead scoring, I also think about things like whether that individual has a corporate email address, perhaps their IP address, what, what country they're from as well. What would you say are the most underrated elements um, within a, a lead score? I would say sometimes there is too much focus on the demographics. Sometimes brands define their cost customers in a very narrow way. They say, for example, uh, we only want to target females from the age of 18 to you know, 19 and a half, and that's our user base. So in that case, what is getting missed is the behavioral signals. So as I said, lead scoring should be powered not just by the most obvious points, such as your age, your gender, your location, but also uh, what are the websites that you visit? What is your browsing history? You know, at what time of the day maybe you're most likely to interact with the marketing messages? So I would say it's that behavioral element that is sometimes missing. And it's understandable because it's harder to gather that data and it's harder to make sure that that data is kind of flowing through, through your technology stack in real time and that you've got the right technology stack to even act on that data. And you also talk about how marketing automation can help to maximize a customer's lifetime value. So how does it actually do that? So it comes back to the point of retention. So as I said, if somebody purchased something from you, say, you know, the most basic example, you bought a pair of trainers uh, from a brand, and uh, it might be that, you know, you're absolutely satisfied with your purchase and you will just, you know, never really buy from them again. And that's a lost opportunity there. But if the brand is able to engage with you through marketing efforts in a meaningful way, if they've got a good um, personalization engine, for example, so they can send you marketing campaigns that display other products that match your profile that you might be interested in. And if they do it well, then you're more likely to come back and to purchase from them again. Or if you uh, are able to send marketing messages that really resonate with the with values of that customer, uh, you know, so I think uh, in that sense, uh, now that I mentioned personalization engines, uh, a lot of brands are attempting to do that. Like, you know, we're seeing it in e-commerce, most of all. These are other things you might be interested in buying. We're seeing it with the more traditional businesses who are trying to do that. For example, if you do a job search on a website, sometimes you get like the job ad, ads landing in your inbox saying uh, these are the vacancies you might be interested in. And uh, sometimes it's done well, sometimes it's not done well. And when it's not done well, it's most likely it's going to uh, turn you away from, you know, using that company again. So it's very important that those personalizations are used in a correct way. Now, I, I remember um, talking to Scott Brinker, who is a chap who actually built um, the marketing technology landscape infographic. And he started doing it back in 2011. And when he started doing it in 2011, 
there were 150 providers on there that he pinpointed as MarTech providers. And the last time he did this, he and his team did this in 2022, um, there were just shy of 10,000 different pieces of marketing technology that he'd identified. I'm sure there's many more as well. So how is an organisation, do you possibly pinpoint what the optimum technology is for you? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a challenge for a lot of organizations. There is a lot of marketing automation tools out there, and it's very important uh, to select the right one. And when you select the, the tool, you need to think about how do you operate as an organization? What is your customer base? How many subscribers are you aiming to target with your marketing messages? How many data points you have? Because a lot of those tools their pricing model is based on the data points, so how, how many different pieces of information you need to process in order to create a correct segmentation. So the more data you have, the more expensive it might be for you. Uh, you need to absolutely think about your marketing teams. So our, because marketing automation tools, they differ in complexity. So you need to think about uh, getting the right level of a tool for for your people because uh, some marketing teams are very very you know technologically savvy and can handle more complex uh, tools and setups Uh, some teams uh, might not necessarily have that knowledge in that case you might want to go for something that has uh, does not require any coding experience any kind of back-end setup and is more reliant on a a front-end capability and Another thing that is absolutely key when selecting a tool is thinking about how it's going to integrate with all the other tech stack that you have. Uh, Because what I see time and time again is that companies, they buy those shiny new tools and then they think, okay, brilliant, now we're going to solve all of our uh, challenges. But actually, that uh, marketing automation tool does not integrate with your CRM system. It does not integrate with your data analytics platform. And in that case, it just sits there completely underused uh, because the key to having a successful marketing automation program is to have the right data being integrated uh, to allow you to kind of have that 360 view of your customer. And that is what really is going to power your, your messaging. And you say that Netflix is a a good example of a brand that does marketing automation well. So what what specifically is it about what they do that that you love so much? Well, uh, talking about personalization engines, uh, Netflix is an example of a company who absolutely nailed it. And they've been working on it since the times that they were selling DVDs, so for, for a really long time. But if you think about it now, it's so... It's such a seamless experience that we don't really fully appreciate it. I feel like we take it uh, for granted. But they say that 80% of all the views on their platform are coming through the recommended content, which means that their uh, recommendations are incredibly effective and they do match people's true preferences. And they collect tremendous amount of data on every customer. They look at your uh, demographic data, your gender, your age, uh, your location. Uh, they look at your watch history. What did you watch? And also, did you finish it or did you stop a particular program two minutes in? Uh, but also, interestingly, their uh, recommendations vary depending on the time of the day when you're watching. So, for example, if you started uh, watching late, then they're less likely to recommend like a full-on two, three-hour movie to you. They're more likely to recommend a shorter program. So all of these data points 
are brought together uh, and then they use artificial intelligence to push those personalized recommendations to you. Uh, and you can see them on their homepage, but also you can see them uh, in the emails that they send you. It's all being powered by that very, very um, intelligent uh, personalization tool that they've developed. Uh, and also as a company, they uh, do tremendous amount of A-B testing. So I think they mentioned somewhere that they do 250 A-B tests a year, which is, you know, one and a half tests a day, every day. And everything that you see on Netflix website is being tested. So when you switch on the homepage, the layout, uh, the design, the buttons, the categories, all of those things have been A-B tested on really, really huge um, samples of individuals. And even the... I think they're called the landing cards. So, you know, when this, you see that little preview of a movie, whether it's a picture or a, or a video trailer, those are being customized uh, based on your profile. So if they know that you like um, romance, you're most likely to see like two people on that um, little artwork. If you like a particular actor and that actor is that movie, that actor is going to be present on that viewing card. And another person who logs in into their profile, they'll see the same movies maybe, but that, that um, artwork will be completely different to them. So yes, they just have a very, very intelligent machine learning and uh, AI algorithms that they employ to its full capacity. I remember a long time ago, before I got into digital marketing, I used to be a restaurant manager and I didn't used to be able to go out to another restaurant and sit down without thinking they should be doing this. That table's not being cleared and just thinking exactly what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm thinking that when you're using Netflix, you're not actually able to use Netflix in a relaxed manner without thinking, now, why did it recommend me that? What have I done in the past that's influenced the automation on play here? <laughs> am, I, am I right along the lines there? David, I will tell you more. I'm so professionally deformed that sometimes I would click on an unsubscribe link in an email just to see their preference center and <laughs> you know how the unsubscribe experience happens for this particular brand. So, you know, it is it is sad, but yes, it does happen when you work in this area. <laughs> It's a real professional marketer. That, that, that's what I would describe it as. <laughs> anyway, um, not necessarily thinking about what we've been discussing so far. What, what is the number one thing that marketers need to incorporate into their strategy? Well, we talked a lot about personalization. So I would say uh, personalization in a sense of really forgetting all the mass marketing tactics, because it's brand like, brands like Netflix and Amazon and Nike and Spotify who really set the benchmark uh, for uh, marketing messages. And this is what a customer has come to expect. So we know for a fact that action-based and data-driven campaigns that are triggered uh, to the right customer at the right time uh, give you much more, much better engagement and much higher revenue than any kind of ad hoc campaigns that are sent in an arbitrary time. So I would say getting the technology right, getting the strategy right, getting the data right to create that segmented, uh, personalized messaging is absolutely key. Uh, but also what I would add, and I think it's very important, is that we need to remember that behind all the data points that we collect as marketing automation experts, uh, they're real individuals. And 
the more data points you have that power your marketing strategy, the, the more difficult it is to see a real person behind them. And the irony of marketing automation is that it is automated, but it's when executed well, it feels very personal. You know, it's not true, but you almost believe that there is this person on the other side of the screen that's just crafted this email just for you and send it to you know match your particular needs or answer your particular questions that you might have. And again, there is examples where I think it was about four years ago, the uh, flower delivery company Bloom and Wild, they did a campaign where they had a marketing campaign before Mother's Day. And, you know, it's a top selling period for them. People buy more more flowers before Mother's Day. But also for a lot of people, it's a difficult uh, day because some of them might have lost their mother, mothers recently or other reasons. And they uh, crafted a, a message to people to say, hey, would you like to opt out of Mother's Day related messages? Uh, and uh, a lot of people did. And instead of unsubscribing them completely, they put them in a temporary holdout group and those people did not receive any Mother's Day messaging. But after that, they just resumed receiving their marketing materials as usual. So that was a great example of a thoughtful marketing campaign. And they got a lot of publicity on the back of that, but also it allowed them to retain their customers that might have unsubscribed otherwise and they would have lost them. And since then, it became quite a common spread practice. Now you see a lot of brands kind of using those um, customized uh, preferences uh, to, for, for different um, holidays and days and so on. But I think it's an example of uh, just keeping your customer in focus as a marketeer and thinking about them as a, as a human being. Love it, love it. Really thoughtful, great example of um, kind of precise um, but caring marketing. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Daria Kravchenko over at Bolt.eu. Daria, thanks so much for being on the Strategic Marketing Show. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place insightsforprofessionals.com.